Welcome to the audio ministry of Grove Park Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. We pray you will be blessed by today's message. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to John, excuse me, to Luke chapter number 3. Today, we encounter John. I do want to say that it is not Christmas. We'll come back to that. It is not Christmas. Now, I know some of us may think that it is. I thought it might be Christmas this morning when I walked up here and someone had lined up Hershey Kisses behind the pulpit. Then I thought, no, they just want me to preach long, and so they've provided me snacks. Don't worry about that. No, no fear there. I do know that some of you, though, think that it's Christmas because your sports team beat Georgia yesterday. It's not Christmas yet. So, Luke chapter 3 is where we are this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we... We thank you for your word. Lord, we have, <clears throat> we have sung songs this morning that are not from our tradition, but that are from the tradition of our faith. And throughout them all is the call of preparation. And Lord, we know that at this Advent season, we prepare for the coming of Jesus. But Lord, we also know that we have to be in the same mindset, though, in our present world for his second coming. And that just as John foretold of Jesus' coming and prepared the way, so too must we now take up John's mantle. So, Lord, help us to hear how to do that this morning. Bless me, Lord, with the words that are needed for those gathered to hear from you today as we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being Tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, Tetrarch of the region of Atreia and Trachonitis, and Licinius, Tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. We would hear these words and we would think, 
that Luke is being Luke. Luke, the physician, is seeking to, to do all of the expansive eyewitness research and he's attempting to write a historical account. And so he, he seeks to ground the ministry and indeed then the subsequent ministry of Jesus in the historicity of the moment by telling who was in charge where. But if we would just think about this and skip through it, we would miss, I think, an under lying point and that is this that each of these people listed here in this opening line of chapter 3 tell us about a pursuit of peace each of them have led lives and will lead lives in which they pursue peace in its various forms and sadly, most of them will come up empty. If we were to do a deep dive into the life of Tiberius Caesar, we would find that he teaches us that position does not always achieve peace because to become Caesar, he had to divorce the wife that he loved and marry one that he didn't. And that even after he achieved all that power in his position as Caesar, he ultimately got bored of the whole thing and retired, but still was Caesar and went to live on an island in the Mediterranean. Pontius Pilate for sure will teach us that power and the exercise of power doesn't bring us peace because we know through Pilate that he is constantly afraid that he will lose his power because the Jews will be in rebellion against him. And so his power is always tenuous. And so he has, to, he has to use it, but it doesn't bring him peace. It just brings him more heartache because he's put and put in charge of all these rebellious people. Herod. Herod, the Tetrarch of Galilee, was known for his love of taxes because he was known for his love of money. And beloved, there are many people today who will pursue fortune as a means to peace, but it does not arrive. Philip, Philip built Caesarea Philippi as a, as a testament to his own self, but even then there is no record anywhere that it brought him peace. And really there's no great historical record for Licinius either. So we're not even sure what he did. But given that the other ones around him hadn't, brought, hadn't found peace, I don't think he did either. Annas and Caiaphas show us that we can't find peace in the form of religion. Notice I said in the form of religion. You can find peace through faith as we're about to see but in the form of religion you cannot find peace because they only practice the form of religion as high priests. They were always worried about their power, their religious power, and the ability to get into the temple treasury and all those other things. And that is why they will ultimately crucify the babe of Bethlehem because they will say in John, if we don't do something with him, the Romans will come and take our power. So their religion didn't give them anything except for a further hunger. It didn't provide for them peace. But then, 
There's John. There's John, the son of Zechariah, to whom the word of the Lord came. John, if you will recall, does not look like any of these other characters that have been mentioned here this morning. John is the original wild man. He's a hippie before hippie was cool. He has long hair. He wears a camel hair outfit. He eats bugs and honey. I guess he's the original vegan. And he's out there in the wilderness and he doesn't care what people think about him. As we will see next week, he will call them for what they are when he encounters them. Ultimately, he's just playing it straight as it comes will cost him his head. But he is at perfect peace with himself. He can be who he was created to be, who he was called to be. And he can fulfill the mission because he is at peace. You know, beloved, sometimes I wonder why the church in America is no stronger than it is. If the reason why that is is because we pursue something other than our mission because we are not at peace with ourselves. We are not at peace with who God has called us to be. We are not at peace with the mission itself and where the mission commands and calls us to go. John was at peace in part because I believe he preached and believed in the message that he preached. Notice with me in verse number three. And he went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now you and I would hear that and we would say, well, yes, I know what repentance is and I know what forgiveness is. But beloved, I, I, I want you to expand a little bit here. Because if you were to go back and you were to look at the word repentance, you would, you would see, yes, that it means to be going one direction and, and to turn around. But you would find that in the basic structure of the word is what Dr. Ellen Davis speaks of as the call to metamorphosis. It's the same root. It is what Paul will pick up on in Romans chapter 12. When he calls us to daily renew our mind. You see, repentance is something that you and I think about. Something that we have done wrong, egregiously wrong. And we need to turn around and walk away from it. But beloved, I want us to go a little bit deeper here. And, and ask us to ask ourselves, how often is it that we're willing to change our minds? You know, you can not sin, but still have not not believe that it is sin, but you just don't want to get caught, so you just quit doing it. You hadn't really done anything with your mind there. Or maybe today you're just held on to something that you think is right, but, but because you haven't really dealt with it with God, you haven't checked your mind and, 
God's calling you to change because in changing your mind, you are able to do more what his word is calling you to do, to be present in the moment, to be what is referred to in today's society as relative. Beloved, are you not at peace today because you refuse to change your mind? I can't change my mind, Pastor. If I change my mind, I may be perceived as wishy-washy. I can't change my mind, Pastor, about something because if I change my mind about something, then, then that means that I might be wrong about something previously. Beloved, guess what? There's a ton of things in my life that I've been wrong about. And the longer I kept saying I'm not wrong about it, the more, the worse it got for me. There's a lot of things in my mind that I once held very clear and very dear, and now I understand that I was wrong about. And unless we are willing to come to terms with repentance, in other words, the changing of our mind to say, God, is this what you're calling me to? Is this what you're saying to me? God, what about this thing in, in our current society? What about what I think about this thing? Or what about I think about this issue? God, am I right? Or am I wrong? We'll never be at peace. Because if to be at peace means that we're fulfilling the mission of God then we'll never be in the will of God as long as we aren't pursuing the mission. But John was at peace. And because of that, he was able to fulfill his mission. And what was his mission? When Zechariah receives the word from Gabriel about John's birth, he is told that John's task is to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And so, beloved, our question today for us is whether or not we're doing that. All the time I hear people tell me that the Lord's return is imminent. And I fully believe that most people say that and are lying. Lying? Yes. Because if you really believed it, if you really believe that Jesus Christ was standing at the threshold of glory and was about to step into time and bring all things to a culmination, do you know what you'd be doing? You'd be preparing a people for his return. We'd be more serious about inviting our neighbors to faith. Not inviting them to church, inviting them to faith. We'd be more serious about making sure that everyone we come in contact with knew who Jesus Christ was. We'd be more concerned about the fact that there are thousands of people groups across this world who do not know who Jesus is. And that if he were to return right now, if we really believe that he would return right now, that they would enter into an eternity without him. 
So beloved, do you really believe what you say today? And if you do, are you being John? Are you being John? You've got to be at peace with yourself to be John. You've got to be willing to, to take and be standing out in a crowd to be John. You've got to look different from everybody else to be John. You've got to be able to give a message that nobody wants to hear to be John. You've got to continuously know that your mind is right where God would have it be and so you're willing to change your mind at any given point because God said you need to go here and you say, I don't know about that, but God said you need to go here. And so you go. That's repentance, that's peace, and that's peace that brings preparation. Because, beloved, in dealing with what's in our brain, in dealing with what's in our heart, in dealing with the deep sins of our heart, it is stuff that is scary, dark, and deep. For us to <clears throat> root down deep into where we are and, and pull out things that we don't even want to think about anymore... To engage with issues that are facing our society and engage with them through a biblical context and a gospel-centered context of love and grace is scary. So if we're not at peace, we're not going to be able to do it. And the people that we encounter, not just outside in ourselves, but the people we encounter outside of our selves are scary as well. Because did you notice where John's message takes him? John spends his time in the wilderness preaching. He's out there walking around the Jordan. He's out there in the far recesses amongst the marginalized and the forgotten and the people who just want to go out there and be left to themselves. But it didn't stop there. Notice what it says here, verse number four. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the, word, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. We read that and we say, well, that's God doing that. That's God bringing down mountains and raising up valleys. But, beloved, that's what John's message was supposed to do. That's what John's message did do. That's what us, if we are going to be John, to our world, if we really believe in the return of Jesus, says that we go out and we take folks who are in the depths of their valleys and we bring them up to level ground. We speak to people who are way high up on their high horses and we bring them down to earth. We take the people who are just sliding around through life and can't ever see what's around the turn and we make that path straight so they can see clearly. We make rough places plain, level. Rough places. trying to write a note last night as we rode home For those of you who don't know we were in Maryland this past weekend and we came back home last night Virginia doesn't have high gas taxes which means they don't have good roads and Liza hit a stretch and I'm trying to write and it's going like this now beloved 
Think about if you're living life and you're constantly like that. You're constantly being jostled. You're constantly being jostled because you can't find peace. You're constantly being jostled because no one is helping you in life. No one is speaking to your needs in life. No one is going into the deep, dark places where you dwell and saying there is hope in bringing light. They're just leaving you out there, just bouncing along. Do you think those people can see that last verse? And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Beloved, the reason why people can't see the salvation of God in our world today is not on them. It's on us. Because we're not making it clear. We're leaving our own high horses up in the church. We're forgetting that we're supposed to go down deep in the valley and bring people up. We give multitude of messages instead of one message. We'll say that it is all right to think this way and think this way at the same time. You say, how, what do you mean by that? Beloved, how often is it that you and I cheer when the people in the news say mean things about people? Boy, they really stuck it to them then, didn't they? When have we forgotten the words, be ye kind to one another? Beloved, we're the reason why people can't find peace through salvation because we're not fulfilling the task of John. And I understand that those are scary things. I understand that it causes us to go into dark places. I also understand that if we're at peace, we can go anywhere. If we're at peace, we can go anywhere. I don't like to drive at night. I don't like to drive at night because I can't see well at night. I've never been able to see well at night. In fact, when Eliza met my, my best friend since childhood, she told Eliza, don't let him drive in the rain and at night. The more tired I become in life, the worse my driving gets. But for some unknown reason, for the last 14 years of my life, when I get to the eastern shore of Maryland, I feel perfectly at home. And I'm in just perfect peace like Chapel Hill and Richlands. It's great. And so at 2 o'clock on Friday morning when we arrived in the Eastern Shore, 
I was driving. I wasn't worried at any point. I drove like I had lived there my entire life. It didn't matter how narrow the roads would get, I was cool with it. Didn't matter how bumbly up the roads got, because Maryland doesn't have good roads either. I was cool with it. When it was pitch dark and I couldn't see anything but the little lights of the candles and the windows out in the fields, I was okay with it. Because I was at peace. And I was willing to drive in places that I hadn't been to in a while, but they weren't scary to me because I was at peace. God has given us a plan. That he would send one who would say, prepare the way of the Lord. He did it once. And to his church, he has said, for 2,000 years, your task is to now be John. Prepare the way of the Lord. And beloved, today, if there's an issue in your life that you're not at peace at, you can't fulfill that mission. So you need to get at peace. You need to maybe repent for some things. You need to be willing to change your mind on some things. You need to get at peace. And then you need to go out and bring those other people to peace. And drive into the dark places and the scary places and say it's going to be okay because you've brought the light. Yes, beloved, the woods are scary, dark, and deep. But the peace of God is greater. Let us pray. Lord, there are many who don't know peace today. And they need to. They need to find peace. Some are present here. Lord, they know that you're calling them to do something. They're calling you, them to think a certain way, to act a certain way, to do a certain thing. And Lord, they're not at peace with it. And they just need to get in that place of repentance with you. But Lord, there are thousands more around us driving by even now who are not at peace with you. And who need to know you. And they need us to go tell, you, tell them about you. So Lord help us find peace. That we can go be peace to them. Trusting you Lord. Only trusting you. To be our God. For we make our prayer in Jesus name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please note our schedule has been revised as of April 2021. Please join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 o'clock 
in the sanctuary at 108 Trail 1 in Burlington or on Facebook Live. For more information and resources regarding our church, please visit groveparkchurch.net. And remember, grace abound. Thank you.